Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jeff Reinbold. This is Jeff Reinbold's show, and I'm joined by Michael McQuaid from NFL Ireland. And today we're taking our deep dive down south where the water's warmer and there's an awful lot of interest in some young coaches and some young players in this division. Michael, welcome to the show. Jeffrey, uh, how are you doing, my man? Um, the AFC South, I... I this is going to be an interesting preview show. That's all I'm going to say. And when we say preview, it's not even a preview. It's more like a, like what a doctor does before surgery. It's like a deep dive. It's like a discussion, isn't it? I mean, the, the previews will come later in the summer, I presume. Have you any holidays booked, Jeff? Have you any vacations planned for the summer? Or Mike, I'm working in the summer. You know the CFL season runs all summer. I've got no vacations planned. I got, uh, I got, we get two bye weeks. You get one next week and we get one in August and then... Uh, you know, again, a bye week in pro football is just an opportunity for coaches to do more work without the players around. That's all that is. Hey, let's talk about, let's get started on this. I think this is going to be interesting. Uh, and let's, and, and Houston, Texas fans don't hate me when I say this. Let's start at the bottom, and that's the Houston Texans, because this is a team that is now on its third head coach in three seasons. Michael Ryans comes over from San Francisco, the defense coordinator, had so much success. Uh, and he's a dynamic player. He played in Houston when Houston was a threat in the playoffs, played on some really good Houston teams. He's now back as the head coach. Uh, and this is going to be a team that I think a lot of people are going to, you know, be surprised by because this is a team's going to have a lot of new faces out there, if you will. And, and let's start on offense. And we always start at the position. When we go talk about football teams, you got to start at quarterback. And C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State, uh, drafted in the first round, anointed already as the starting quarterback. Davis Mills' experiment is done, and he will be the backup. C.J. Stroud will be the starter on opening day unless something happens in training camp, an injury or something. But Stroud brings – impressive credentials from Ohio State. He was, you know, there was talk back and forth all through the draft process that was he going to be the first one picked and didn't turn out that way, but certainly Houston feels good about him. And I think C.J. Stroud is going to be a fun guy to watch. I think, yes, you C.J. Stroud, you bring in to make Ryan's and just from seeing the impression that he made, not only statistically in San Francisco, but the way that the players spoke about him, they loved him. And I think that's a huge loss for the Niners, and I, I know we'll talk about that when we go to our NFC West deep dive. Um, I look at the running back group. Pierce is coming into his second year, successful first year in the league, and I have a feeling that he could really break out with CJ's try this season. I feel that he is going to give that peace of mind and comfort for Stroud but if you look at their depth chart also like Robert Woods is it fair enough to call him a veteran at this point Leo Collins Dalton Schultz the tight end coming over from, coming over from Dallas the, the real issue for me Jeff at the minute is yes they've got a very very good offensive tackle core there but in terms of their positions linebacker linebacker is going to be an issue for them you know is there an opportunity for them to bring somebody in at all over the next few weeks or even a veteran on free agency as of right now I just don't feel that the current situation there is manageable and I think because of that they could they could really struggle and I think they could be letting in more points than they have to but certainly a team going in the right direction 
I liked Lovey Smith. I personally thought that Lovey Smith, whenever he was first appointed in Houston, was going to be the guy there for at least two or three seasons. That didn't happen. It's almost like a merry-go-round now in Houston. Will they finally settle with a guy in Ryan's that has that history, that connection with the team to the extent where they give him as much time as he needs because they've got the big jigsaw piece in CJ Stride. They need to build around that. Certainly promising. I don't think they'll finish fourth this year. Definitely not. Well, I think I think they're going to be better. How much better remains to be seen, but let, let's let's do a deep dive into this roster. You're talking about mm. new guys, right? In 2022, they drafted a kid out of Alabama named John Mechie. And John is a Canadian kid who had a really outstanding senior year and junior and senior year at, at Alabama. There were high expectations for him when he came to Houston as a second rounder. And before you know, before the season even started, they lost him to a treatable leukemia situation. He's back. He's healthy. That is certainly going to help them. Robert Woods, I think, has a, has a chance to be an impact guy. There's a young kid that they took out of Houston in the second round, Tank Dell, who I thought, you know, was one of my favorite guys in the draft. An explosive inside. Now he's not very big, but he's an explosive inside guy who's going to cause a lot of problems for people in the slot. I think he's going to be a dynamic slot receiver. Reminds me a, a tremendous amount of Cole Beasley, the way Beasley could get in and out of its breaks. Again, more of an more of a first down threat, a guy that's going to be a tough matchup for anybody who's a slot corner in the league. You got Laramie Tunsil at tight end. I mean, excuse me, a tackle who's who's done, you know, an awful lot, I think, to solidify his reputation as one of the better tackles in the league. Uh Juice Scruggs kid they drafted in the second round gonna have to step in early and play at center uh Dalton Schultz I love Dalton Schultz mm-hmm. I think Dalton Schultz can be a upper level tight end I think he can be I won't say an elite tight end I don't know if he has that kind of you know run after catch ability the next level for him almost yeah I, I think Dalton Schultz can be a you know a top level tight end um you know you got Damian Pierce and and you know go out and get Devin Singletary who's a guy who's shown flashes in his time at Buffalo so I think certainly offensively they're going to get better. Uh, Will Anderson is the kind of guy that they you know took that will be a building block, a cornerstone building block of a defense in Houston going forward. Uh, Sheldon Rankins they they brought in from New York. He's going to help give them some inside presence. Uh, you know again and Denzel Perryman out of out, out of Vegas. You know a guy that's in you know Kirksey. They got some guys. They're not. They're not. I'm not that worried about that linebacker crew. Uh, you know, Corey Littleton. There's guys who played in the NFL and and I think are NFL level players. Secondary scares me a little bit, but again, they went out and they ha- tried to help themselves in free agency. I think this team, you know, if if guys like Steven Nelson and Jimmy Ward, who comes over from San Francisco, they're they're the kind of guys that Demeco's going to have to, you know get to help the young guys because you know Derek Stingley is a young kid with a lot of ability a first round draft choice in 22 and you know Jalen Petre same same thing second round draft choice so they've got they've invested a lot of money and and draft choices in that secondary now you bring over two veterans in free agency I think this Texans defense is going to surprise people I think that they're going to be better than advertised and this is again a team that 
kind of sneaky a little bit in that low expectations for the Texans. And it just comes down to C.J. Stroud. Can he protect the ball? You know, can he do enough, right? Can he do enough with the weapons around him? And then, you know, can they play complementary football? Demeco will have that locker room with him. He's a dynamic guy. He's a guy that players respect. I think he's a guy that is a, you know, lovey, obviously, uh, you know, was a, uh, and, and David Culley, they're both great coaches, but they're low key personalities. They're nice guys. I think Demeco is going to add a little energy, a little fire to that mix. And I really think uh, that the, the Texans had a great off season, how much it's going to translate, you know, in wins. This is a team that I think can win six games to nine games if everything goes their way. We have to talk about the Titans. We have, we have to go to Tennessee next because we were talking in our NFC North preview around the Packers and just the question marks there. There's, there's so many questions on, on every team and that that's the beauty about doing a deep dive. Um, Jeff, if you imagine you went in July 2021 to the car dealership and you bought yourself a brand new truck and it was it was fresh it was feisty um, that truck had a hell of a year in 2021 and then around the middle of October the end of September in 2022 it just starts to you know you've got a leaky oil tank <laughs> anyway what enough of the crap what do you get enough of the crap metaphors it's a hell of a year for the Titans because you look at where Ryan Tannehill is serviceable getting older of course Derek Henry is not going to be as fast as he usually was like he's, he's getting older this is the problem in this running back position you cannot focus on him too much but more so Jeff you know you look at the situation that they had last year where they bring in um, Trellon Burks in the draft they lose AJ Brown and um, single touchdown 33 catches 54 yards for 400 yards in his first season Ooh, um, the only way is up baby as far as I'm concerned and it's funny because you start off this preview talking about the Texans Texans have been improvements Texans have seen where they've had to get to and they've took a step up I mean it's not all bad I really like Chico Cuomo tight end he led in yards per reception last year second in yards per target he is set for a big season but this for me certainly is this is Trellon Burke's situation now he has to improve because well, that wide receiver room Jeff is like a again like a store after Christmas it needs to be <laughs> restocked a little um, I, I'm really intrigued to hear your thoughts of Rabel and Titans well you are throwing the metaphors around two for one I, I'm a, I think this is going to be interesting a lot of people thought the text the Titans rather were going to go into this total rebuild mode get rid of Henry you know get rid of Tannehill you know just completely turn it over and churn the roster they didn't I think for the Titans to to be a playoff team and to win the division which they I think they have a chance to do obviously Tannehill's got to stay healthy Henry's got to you know and and I'm gonna tell you something this guy takes great care of himself in the offseason he's a freak he is a different guy um you know he's been around they drafted him in 2016 that seems like eons ago and for a running back it is eons ago but he's still I think um, 
a guy that you got to look at as one of the best backs in the league. Traylon Burks, you're right, Michael. Exactly correct. When are you going to show us that first round ability? When are you going to show us what the investment was worth? Here's what's interesting to me with the Titans. I think that I think that there's been a, a power struggle that has gone on in Tennessee. And I think you saw it when Brown left and there was that little clip of film where Mike Vrabel got up and left the room when the when it was announced. It was not it. I think that I think that said everything you needed to say. Mike Vrabel survived. Mike Vrabel won the battle. Now that's why I think you see Tannehill back. That's why I think you see Henry back. I think he sees that he's got, if they play the way they're capable of playing, right, and they stay healthy, they're going to play their style of football. And that's going to be tough, physical, run the football, play action pass. They go out and get Peter Skronsky, who was one of the highest rated offensive linemen in the draft, and they draft him in the first round and immediately give him the left guard job which is where he really needs to play. Physically, that's where he his, his skill set is much, even though he was a great tackle at Northwestern, his skill set is much, much more as, you know, what you would look for in a guard. And so I think they're going to be improved. I think this is a team that a lot of people have just said, well, they can't get it done. They're not, you know, they're old, da, 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 all of it, right? A Kanwu at tight end is an intriguing one too. They got some guys, you know, they've drafted some young kids that are going to have to step up and and show up. The the other interesting one is, Michael, I've heard really good reports about Will Levis in minicamp. And I think that's positive for the Titans because that's their future at the quarterback position. Defensively, Danico Autry comes in from Indianapolis and I think he's going to be, uh, you know, upgrade, uh, Aziz Al-Shahir, who, who struggled to get on the field a little bit at San Francisco because they had such dynamic linebacker core, he's now come to Tennessee. This is going to be an opportunity for him to play, to be the guy that he flashed as a player in you know, uh, San Francisco. Arden Key comes over from Jacksonville. He's never really, you know, he's never really played up to his potential, but if he certainly does, I think that's going to be a huge you know, get from them. Sean Murphy Bunting comes from Tampa Bay. This team's improved themselves. It's Tennessee's not a team. It's they're not a flashy team. They're not a sexy team. They're a grinded out, tough, disciplined, hard nosed football team. And I think that wins games for you. This is a team that I do think has a chance to win the division. A lot of it's going to come down to the health of their older players. I am really intrigued to talk about this team really intrigued I think you know who I'm talking about here it's not the Jaguars we'll talk about them in a second it's the Jim Irsay Indianapolis Colts baby um, where do we start here do well, we back I, here you start at quarterback and it's you know again that's do you remember whenever they brought Matt Ryan and Jeff and they had the whole presentation yep. and yep. you know it just let, let me just put this in the line right now I mean Ballard's job's on the line here but Ursay and the fans, the expect like we're talking, we're talking about expectation in certain teams. The expectation for the Colts this year has to be to win this division. The fans are going to lose their head if they're not challenging. Have to be. 
Well, I'll, I'm going to tell you something. You're putting an awful lot, an awful lot on Anthony Richardson when you say that, right? Mm. Now, here's a guy, and I'm not anti-Anthony Richardson. I think he's a tremendous, tremendous athlete. I mean, I think he's one of the rare athletes, but he doesn't have a big body of work behind him, right? Now, everything I have heard about the kid in terms of his work ethic, his intelligence, all of those things, ability to process information, leadership, all those things say, yes, when you put on the tape, what you see is maybe 58% completions at the University of Florida, right? You see some great throws, and then you see some throws where you go, wow, what was he thinking? Now, I also remember saying that same thing about a kid out of Wyoming a couple years ago named Josh Allen that didn't throw for 60% completions in his college career or his junior college career or his high school career. Anthony Richardson has all the physical tools, just like Josh Allen had, to be great at his position. Right now, the jury's out. So I think you got to look around and see where, what he has around him. The offensive line has got to play better. They did not play well last year. Quentin Nelson, I think, really regressed. I talked to a friend of mine who was on the coaching staff, the offensive coaching staff at Indianapolis last year, and I asked him about uh, Quentin Nelson, who had been a dominant offensive lineman, kind of fallen off the cliff last year. And he said he thought that they made a mistake at left tackle and that Quentin was trying to do too much, trying to, you know, play the left tackle position and the left guard because you got to play one position and that's yours. And and he was trying to help the guy next to him and it was just a bad situation. You know, they the offensive line has got to play better. And if they if they don't, then it's going to be tough on a young quarterback. You know, Mo Ali Cox and Jelani Jelani Woods have got to be they got to be threats for that kid. They've got to be the guys in the middle of the field that can, you know, control the middle of the field and give him comfort throws. And then outside, they've got to develop some of those guys. They've got young guys outside, you know, Alec Pearson and, and Michael Pittman, young receivers, Josh Downs, got talent, right? But he's a rookie. How much is he going to be able to develop? Isaiah McKenzie, you know, has flashed some things in Buffalo when he was in Buffalo. So, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, I expect that Richardson will be the starter day one. I really, really do. I think, you know, I think there's so much pressure on the coaches, and I think there's so much pressure on Chris Ballard, who I think is a great football man, by the organization to get Anthony Richardson playing and playing, make, you know, as a starter early. Then, you know, it's, it's that's what I think they're going to be. Jonathan Taylor. Get back to being the Jonathan Taylor that we saw a couple years ago, right? Zach Moss gives them some depth at tailback. They got to run the football. Those two young tight ends have got to, you know, take a step. The offensive line's got to come back. And, you know, they got to find a player or two out at wide receiver. Get that done. And this is a team I think that's got a chance because defensively, they've got some players. Could he pay DeForest Beckner, Samson, Ebicom? Look at the, listen to the names that you can roll out there. Shaq Leonard, you know, they got guys now. And so Julian Blackman in the secondary, there's there's players at all three levels of this defense. Can the offense be better? Can the offensive line be better? 
can we get back to being a run first offense play action you know again if they can i think they can threaten and for the title there's a really key word there in our sentence if <laughs> let's let's look at Jonathan Taylor for a start last year of his contract um, unrestricted free agent in 2024 cap hit of only 4 million this year I think one and a half, two million dollars the last two years relatively inexpensive guy for this team yes we want to see him get back to the level where he was at and that's that's a really important part of this conversation where is the star player in this team the Colts do not have a standalone star player on this roster and it's clear to see from it Jeff I, I, I feel like you want to say something go, go for it I, yeah I do because I think this is where the Colts and other small market teams mm. struggle right which is with that name recognition thing and you you think about the Colts historically and Peyton Manning superstar mm. Harris superstar right they were superstar legit superstars um when you take out Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison out of that Colts mix, who was Dallas Clark, your next name, right? I mean, so this is always going to be the case when you're a small market team, right? Guys, you're never going to – somebody can be a player in Dallas and everything is magnified because it's the Cowboys. You can be a player in New York and it's magnified because it's the Giants, you know, it's the Jets. It's the New York media. Indianapolis is a small market team. And so on top of that, you look at the, how many how many inside defensive linemen are better than DeForest Buckner, right? There aren't a bunch of them in this league, but he's in Indianapolis, right? Yeah. So I think that's, I think they struggle with that a little bit. And, you know, like I said, Quentin Nelson there was no better guard in football three or four years ago. Now, he, he's fallen off the cliff. Last year, I shouldn't say he's fallen off. Last year, he fell off the cliff. This year, can he recapture something? Jonathan Taylor, he was on pace to become one of the premier backs in the league, right? The guy that everybody would talk about. Didn't happen last year. And so when you're a small market team like Indianapolis, right, and you have a down year like you had, what, what's the immediate reaction of most fans? Oh, they don't have any players there, right? They don't have any players there, right? So I don't put I don't put a lot of stock in that, but what I do say is they've got to come back. They've got to bounce back. It was a bad situation last year, and I know that from the inside, a bad situation. Right? I feel sorry for Frank Reich. I feel sorry for the players. I feel sorry for the people you know, uh, that had to go through that. Chris Ballard, I mean, Mr. Ursay wants to win. He's desperate to win, right? And sometimes that can become a negative in your football team when you start panicking and making panic moves. Hiring Jeff Saturday, panic move, you know. And, <laughs> oh, my God, I actually forgot about that for a minute. Well, you remember that? Let, let's think about this team. And after after – after Andrew Luck, in the at the end of training camp, actually retires, it throws a. I mean, how do you replace that at the end of training camp? After free agency, after the draft, after all of it. So what did they do? They went out and got a veteran to kind of you know as a transition quarterback, right? 
and they got close. They got to the playoffs. They went up to Buffalo and played. You know, do you remember that playoff game in Buffalo a couple years ago? And said, "This is a good football team, right?" And then you move on from that guy, but you go another bridge guy, and that one doesn't work as well, right? So now, what have you done? You put yourself so far behind, and that window where you're a really good football team, right? It closes fast. It really closes fast, and so. And, I, and I'm not, and I'm not downing um, Andrew Luck because every man has to make his own decision. But when he made that decision to walk away from his football team at the end of training camp, that'll set back a franchise years. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we've seen with the Colts. I think just to add on what you're saying before we talk about the Jaguars, bringing this Shane, Shane Stein, for, uh, obviously a guy with fantastic offensive experience. You would look at that wide receiver room and Michael Pittman. Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie, you, you would expect the production to go up there, but it's going to go up anyway because the passing game last year was just so bad. The biggest if is what you said. It's Richardson going to four. Yeah, he's, he's got to be accurate. He's got to be accurate. He's got to make good decisions. He's got to protect the football, right? And they got to run the ball again so that, you know, the, so that he has a chance. Everything about Steichen says right guy for the right quarterback, right? right guy in the right situation for the right quarterback. So don't be surprised if the Colts aren't one of those bounce back teams that we see this year. I'm not anointing them, right? I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but I'm saying that there's enough football players there. If all of those things that we talked about, the offensive line, the quarterback, you know, if all of those things happen, the running, the ability to run the football again, then they have a legitimate chance. And the funny thing is, I, I I agree with you, but finally, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm standing in Frankfurt watching Garner Minshew lead out the Colts. And that's all I'm going to say. Um, right. <laughs> Jaguars, finally, before we wrap up this preview. Um, interesting team, Jeff. I mean, like looking at the year-on-year progression. But the funny thing is, they started last season really, really poorly. And look how they ended it. It's mad. But, yeah, I mean... Let me let me first. When we start with the Jaguars, I, I think that one of the things that you got to point to when you talk about their turnaround from the dumpster fire that they were, right, previous, is Doug Peterson and what he's been able to do to come into a situation that was in, you know, ab- I mean, just really really tough situation. He's got all kinds of issues. They had had so many controversies on and off the field with the coaching staff the year before. And Doug, and I know Doug since 1994 when he was our quarterback in NFL Europe. He is exactly what you see on the sidelines. Very intelligent guy. Very uh, controls his emotions extremely well. Cerebral. Um, played the position in the NFL that is most important, and that's the quarterback position. He need he was the perfect hire for Trevor Lawrence after what Trevor had gone through early in his career. Here could, because here's the kid who comes out of high school and comes out of college who's known nothing but success. And then he comes to the pros and it's always going to be tougher. It's always going to be a huge jump. And then you mix in the Urban Meyer mess on yeah. top of it. And he must have he must have just been shaking his head, thinking, this is pro football, right? Doug 
got him back. Doug settled the ship. Doug did a great job. And I think, I, I don't think Doug Peterson has gotten enough credit for that. But certainly we saw Trevor Lawrence, you know, and I, and I think about that Charger game late in the year, right, where they were so bad in the first half, right? And Doug didn't panic. And you could see it in Trevor's eyes that he was starting to panic. But Doug got him under and he got him started and he, you know, schemed a few plays for him to, you know, to give him some confidence. And they came back and they won a football game that they probably should have never won. And I think that's where this thing is headed. It's all about regression. It's, about, it's obviously about regression with every team, but especially with Trevor Lawrence going into the third year. Second year, I don't even count the first year, as, uh, as you've said there. And that progression that he had mid-season last year, you know, there was games, I think against the Eagles as well, but the game that I was at at Wembley, he was atrocious, in my opinion, against the Broncos, where you had people questioning there. And the way that Doug Peterson was able to take that team 9-8 and eight and really peak in the second half of that season... It, it was it was a massive massive way for them. Now they spent the guts of two to three hundred million in the off season last year, meaning that this year it was going to be a bit more difficult for them. But when you draft Ernest Johnson, sorry, when you pick up Ernest Johnson and bring in Calvin Ridley after that year's suspension, and you then look at Anton Harrison giving you more protection for Justin Lawrence, for Trevor Lawrence, there, Justin Lawrence, wow, hybrid of Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. That's how awake I am today, Jeff. Um, you want to see a progression. But when you now have a depth chart where you've got Christian Kirk, where you've got Calvin Ridley, when you've got Zed Jones, never mind Evan Engram at tight end, look, they're going to win this division. I have no doubt about it, Jeff. I mean, I, I am anointing them in June as my AFC South champions. Well, I, 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 I think there's a lot of reasons to say, you know, that should happen. I mean, I thought that they overpaid for guys, particularly Christian Kirk in the off season. And, you know, they proved me wrong because those guys were productive players and could they have got them cheaper? Probably. But Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and now mix in Calvin Ridley. If Calvin Ridley can be the guy that we think he was going to be, or we thought he was going to be before he had the, the problem with the gambling and, and got the s- suspension. But certainly, he is a talented, talented guy. Cam Robinson up front, Brandon Scherf they bring in to help up front. This team has is, is, is got weapons, and it's been a while since you could say that about you know this football team. I think Trevor Lawrence took a huge step last year. Travis Etienne gives him a good threat at running back. Bigsby, I think, can be a good football player for him. They got offensive weapons. They're going to score points. I think this can be a good football team offensively. Defensively, it's there are more questions, but you do have players. You you know, you, you got Trayvon Walker, if he will ever live up to the potential, if he will ever live up to his combine hype, he could be a dominant player. There were signs last year that you know that that he had. There were flashes that say he can be a player. But then at the end of the year, when they're in the playoffs, if you noticed, he didn't play a tremendous amount of snaps, particularly in, in situations where you would think a dominant player, you'd want your best players on the field. Um, I just want to say this one. My favorite name in the National Football League was a defensive lineman that they brought in out of the, out of the Jets full of run so 
Fatu Kasi. Oluwatu Fatu Kasi. Best name in the NFL. I don't know if he can play a lick, but they got him listed as a starter. And so I got to love him just because he's got that name. Um, you know, I, 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 all joking aside, I think this is a good football team. I think it's a good football team. I agree with you, Michael. This is the team that should win the division on paper. But remember, it ain't played on paper, baby. It's played on grass or astroturf. And, you know, these guys can't get complacent. I think that's going to be the, the, the thing this, this year. They've got to say, okay, we can, much like we talked about with the Lions, you've got to embrace the expectation and you've got to live up to the expectation. Time will tell, and I'm sure we'll give it a whenever we actually look at our previews, just in this deep dive. Uh, Jeff, thank you for coming on again. What divisions are we looking at next week? Well, I think we ought to go out west again. And NFC uh, West. NFC West. And let's go. The one that is going to be a fascinating, oh, man. fascinating one to talk about, <laughs> the AFC East. All right? But we uh, have questions, Michael. We have questions from folks, do we not? We do, and I realized whenever you were talking there about the Lions, I forgot to do them. So what we're going to do, this podcast itself is going out on Friday. But if you go back, folks, to, to Sunday or to Monday's podcast, Jeff will answer some in our separate podcast. So sorry, folks. It's been a mad weekend. Too busy looking at the Toronto scores for me. Uh, yeah, let, let's do that. Uh, if you do have any questions, hit us up. Uh, you can watch Jeff's video on the Proof of Blarn YouTube channel. Search at Jeff Reinbold, at Jeff underscore Reinbold, Twitter. Jeff Mahalo, see you on the other side, man. Aloha. Aloha.